Welcome to the Matt Pfeiffer Experience. My name is Matthew Pfeiffer. I am your host. Today we have a listener email from someone who wants to know how their narcissistic ex's behavior is going to impact their son. This is something that I get asked all the time, so I cannot wait to break down this email for you. With all that being said, let's go ahead and get this show started. Welcome back to the Matt Pfeiffer Experience. Let's get into today's email. So today's email reads, Hi Matt, my narcissistic ex and I divorced last year. We settled with me getting primary custody, a large part thanks to your coaching advice. And for that, I am forever grateful to you. You are very welcome. However, you are the one who did the work. So make sure you also congratulate yourself. Make sure you celebrate yourself and give yourself a pat on the back. Let's get a little bit more into this email. So this email continues to read, a couple of months ago, my ex, a high school teacher, transferred to the new high school my son will be attending next year as a freshman. And these type of tactics, for those of you who are dealing with someone who is toxic or narcissistic, it's very, very common that even after the divorce, all of a sudden, they will transfer, they will move. If you work in the same industry, they will transfer to the same department or the same company, the same building. That uh, I've seen everything from them forwarding uh, mail to your address, anything to try to keep in touch with you. So let's continue with this email. Uh, talk about control, huh? Yeah, very controlling, very, very common as well. Um, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's also something that can be dealt with as well. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about how you think that will either work for me or against me. So this is kind of a two-part question. So uh, how is this going to work for or against this person and the effects on my son and how I can support him? Uh, he's already concerned about his father embarrassing him as he likes to do to stay on top of that pedestal. Uh, honestly, at this point, I'm considering homeschooling. Thanks for your help as always. Uh, and I'm not going to read your name to keep everything confidential. However, when we talk about this type of situation, one of the good things in your situation is that your uh, son is in high school. So I'm not sure if, oh, you said he's a, he's a freshman, so uh, I'm assuming 14 or 15 years old. And, at, and I'm not sure what state you're in, but he's about that age where you, not only do courts look at this person as your son, as someone who can be, um, can uh, have a say. I, I don't like to say that they, they have all, all of the say, but they have a say in where they want to be and where they want to go and that sort of thing. But also you can actually talk to your son as well about if you would prefer to homeschool and that sort of thing. So, uh, but I want to get back to, I want to get back to the first part where you said, how is this going to impact work for you or against you? And I'm assuming that you mean in court. Um, in the event that he goes back for custody again, that sort of thing, it's not going to affect you at all. One of the things that people think is that they think that because a person is a part of the PTA or because they're a teacher, because of a certain position, that this is going to affect them in court one way or the other, and it doesn't. Uh, courts could care, could give two shits what people do for a living, what, uh, you know, whether or not they work in the school, that sort of thing. But I'm going to take this into another, another direction. 
oftentimes when people are highly involved in the school, one of the things that, that people are concerned about is this person has access to the principals, they have access to grades, they have access to things that, that oftentimes you don't have uh, ready uh, access to. But one of, so one of the things I would tell you in this situation is probably do the things that you already know to do, to stay involved, to make sure that you know the principal's names, that make sure that they know your name and that sort of thing. Uh, I wouldn't treat this in any different than I would if your ex was uh, not at the school. I would treat this exactly the same way. I would, I would make sure that don't worry about him being at the school. I would still follow the order as it's, as it's written in the order. Uh, I wouldn't do anything like, um, I wouldn't accept things like, let's say the school tries to, um, tries to send home one piece of paper and have you guys share, share certain things and share information. I would still have it sent to both, both homes. There's, there's no need for the two of you guys to overly communicate just because he's at the school. If he likely what's going to happen is that he's going to try to communicate with you about things that are happening at the school. I mean, outside of what's written in the decree, I wouldn't accept any communication that's not pertaining to your son. If it's not uh, normal, for example, your son is a freshman and let's say that he does not have and he shouldn't have classes with his dad anyway because it would be a conflict of interest. But I wouldn't accept additional communication outside of the norm just because he's at the school. If there needs to be communication with the school or about the school, I would continue to have that conversation with the school. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't outsource your decision making to your ex just because they're at the school. That's going to be very, very important. If For those of you who are watching and you might be in a similar situation, one of the things that people who struggle with codependency do is that they have a, a bad habit of, about outsourcing their decision making, oftentimes especially to someone who, to their narcissistic ex, because they're so used to uh, that person making all of the decisions for them. That, especially for those of you who are watching, and if you have younger children, that can impact you. And I've seen that impact, impact, impact people, and a lot of people I've worked with, it, it takes a lot of work to try to unwind that, that, those bad habits and that conditioning. Um, but in your situation, uh, the person that wrote this email, him working at the school, I, I don't see a way that this would impact you because of your son's age and because of uh, the, the situation. Part two to that, how is this going to impact your son? So we so one of the things that you need to be very mindful of is where you're saying where you're saying you're considering homeschooling him. I would allow for your son to be a part of that decision making process if you get to that point. One of the reasons why I say that is that you might be thinking about how to protect yourself, and you might also be thinking about how to protect your son. Your son might be willing to put up with the embarrassment from his dad to make sure that he stays in touch with his friends. One of the things that you don't want to do is to take your son out of school if he really doesn't want it. I'm going to get into, because um, your second part to this was, how is this going to affect him? I'm, I'm going to get to that here in a second. But, it, um, but what, we, what we want to understand, what we want to think about is that if you pull him from the school and he doesn't want to, 
and then now he loses his friends. Now this has even greater impact on his life, and and he's already at a new school, and now we're pulling him from the social scene. I don't know if he does any sort of extracurricular activities and that sort of thing, and so that potentially could be a major impact. I'm not saying don't homeschool him either, because if you partner with your son and he says like, yeah, dad's just too overwhelming, and I know he's gonna, he'll just transfer to another school uh, as well again. So I would talk to your son about that to begin with. But with that being said, one of the things that, that happens a lot is that people oftentimes overplay the the impact of the narcissist parent. I want to throw out abuse and that sort of thing for a second, but let's just talk about embarrassment and let's just talk about um, your current situation. But let's outside of abuse, physical abuse and that sort of thing. One of the things that we have to understand is that your son's peers know, and that's important for you to know. One of the biggest assets that parents have whenever they're co-parenting with a narcissistic parent, the, the biggest asset that they have is the peers of their son or daughters, and so your, your son or daughter's friends. And the reason why I say that is that, that they know. Right? As embarrassing as it is for your son, your son's friends probably know how, his, how this parent is. And so what happens is that whenever he talks to them and whenever he and this becomes his support system, which is the reason why I'm, I'm saying that we need to be very mindful about possibly pulling him out uh, and pulling him out for homeschooling, is that whenever he needs something or whenever his dad is acting up or doing something that's going to be embarrassing to him or whatever the case is, he's going to have that support system. And the reason why this is important is that what happens is that this has the opportunity to teach your son that, number one, he's not alone, that he's not the only person who thinks this about his dad, that he's not the only person who sees how embarrassing his dad actually is. Oftentimes, if your, your son goes to, let's say that he's spending the weekend with his dad and his friends want to hang out and they ask which parent's house he's at, because if you're over at your, your other parent's house, then if you're at the narcissistic parent's house, I don't want to come over because I know how, how that parent is and that sort of thing. And as difficult as these things are, as in your situation, you're, you're what's considered the protective parent, what happens is that this actually validates your son's experience. And that's very, very important. One of the things I tell people is that we have to be very careful about covering up the sins of the narcissist. And, and oftentimes we can become so protective of our kids that they don't see and they don't experience things. And so therefore we can't actually be there for them. We can't actually support them. We can't actually teach them how to set and enforce boundaries. And what happens is that your son's a freshman right now. He's not going to be a freshman forever. And he's not going to be, I'm going to assume that he's 15 years old. He's not going to be 15 forever. And we also have to realize that your son is going to have to deal with his dad possibly for the rest of his life, right? And the reason why I say possibly is that his dad is going to continue to embarrass him. And we can begin to support, teach him boundaries. His peers are going to be there for him. Eventually, he's going to be 16. And let's say that he starts dating and his dad gets too far into his business. And let's even give the worst case scenario. The person that your son is dating breaks up with him because of his dad and becomes even more devastating and even becomes more embarrassing. 
So your son comes to you, he opens up to you, he has dialogue with you, which is very, very important. This is the reason why we don't cover the sins of the narcissist. And, and outside of abuse, we can teach our kids how to handle and how to, how to deal with this, how to process their own emotions. What happens is that, let's say your, your son eventually turns 17, 18, 19, and he's experienced this for several, several years at this point. What happens is that eventually your son's going to get sick of this. And your son is going to have to make a decision on how he's going to, how he wants to handle his dad, whether that is no contact, whether that is low contact, whether that is uh, once he starts dating, once he is involved with a significant other, that he doesn't bring that significant other around his dad or whatever the case is. And so we have to be very careful about overprotecting our children in situations like this when we really actually want to be there to support we want to be there to, again, I, I want to stress this, outside of abuse, right? Not talking about abusive situations, talking about some, some um, you know, embarrassing and things like that. And, of course, none of us like our kids going through things like that. But the reality of it is is that it's our, our responsibility as a parent to teach our kids how to deal with situations like this. If it wasn't your ex, it could possibly be another student who's embarrassing them. It could be another teacher who's embarrassing them. So we have to remember that sometimes we overplay things because it's an ex when in reality these same experiences can happen regardless if it's an ex or any other person in life. And so we don't want to get so overly protective that we're not actually teaching our child very vital, very important lessons. Thank you very much for writing in. Anyone else who has a question that would like for me to answer right here on the Matt Pfeiffer Experience Make sure you send your questions to justaskmatt at mattpfeiffercoaching.com. Again, that is justaskmatt at mattpfeiffercoaching.com. Make sure you keep that email two to three paragraphs max. Be very direct and to the point of what your question actually is. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you comment down below something that you're uh, a takeaway, something that maybe you have learned. If you're listening, listening, to, listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, I would love for you to leave a review. Every once in a while, I do take time out to read the reviews right here on the Matt Pfeiffer Experience. With all that being said, thank you very much, and I will see you in the next video. Dream big, Papa, so we dream big.